Welcome to the fourth episode of the AEC Engineering and Technology Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping engineering professionals find technology that fits their needs. In this episode, I'll be talking with Scott, the president of Harkin Aerial, about how AEC professionals can start and grow a reality capture program in their company. Before we jump in, a word from our sponsor for this episode, Shingle. Get back in the office now. And sorry, we're not going to have a fully remote policy. You've got to come in. Wait just a second. If you've ever thought, I kind of like working full-time remote. I know what I'm doing. I work independently. All my work is on my computer. Why do I need to drive to the office every day? If only there was some sort of alternative. Surprise, you're going to want to know about a new technology company called Shingle. Are you an engineer that has an interest in entrepreneurship? Have you ever thought about stepping out on your own as an engineer or making some additional income with your engineering skills? Are you tired of moving and uprooting your life for a new job or battling an unnecessary commute? Would you like to be an engineer on your own terms? Shingle is an online marketplace where PEs can find and remotely engage with AE firms in the Shingle network that need their services as a consultant. The platform is specifically built for PEs and CAD professionals in architecture and engineering that want to move in the direction of entrepreneurship, work as much as they want, and have the freedom to work where they choose. Shingle wants the consultants to succeed and provides resources to get their companies up and running quickly. Get started on your road to entrepreneurship and engineering by going to shingleit.com. Again, that's shingleit.com and join the community today. Shingle, we work differently. All right. It's now time for our conversation of the week with Scott Harrigan, the president of Harkin Aerial. Scott, welcome. Great to have you here with us today. Great to be here, Nick. Can you please tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and what you do on a daily basis? So I am the president of Harkin Aerial. Long ago, I was a mechanical and MEP engineer, and uh, that's how I started my career. Uh, I kind of found I was uh, enjoyed CAD and enjoyed uh, doing like the design and 3D modeling, um, kind of more than the engineering design end. So that led me to go more or less freelance. And from there, I ended up getting into drones, mostly as a hobby, like many people. And uh, what started out as just trying to do a side business doing photo and video eventually came back to the engineering side. And now I find we're doing GIS and aerial mapping and more or less turned into a, uh, a service provider for reality capture and also uh, consulting and training for everything involving drones, LIDAR, photogrammetry, and other types of reality capture. You've hit on it, right? Today's episode, all about reality capture, which is it's kind of a broad term and can mean different things for each firm. So how would you define reality capture and what type of reality capture equipment do you work with primarily? Yeah, so it's a super large field and I'm never going to be able to like describe it in a way for everybody to have it be the same thing. But generally, I like to think of it as developing models for measuring and doing that at different scales. One of the cool things about reality capture is it's scalable. So we're able to capture things, whether it's on the scale of a city block, a whole city sometimes, or an individual site. That's what reality capture is. It's it's creating those models so that we can measure it from the smaller kind of sites to the larger sites. And in that way, basic CAD design or what 
most firms are already doing is reality capture. Right? Just taking a measurement off of a wall and drawing up that measurement is reality capture in some level. So it's not as foreign, I think, as some folks may make it sound like. You're, most firms are probably doing it already. The reality capture we talk about today is just a little more sophisticated and is maybe a, a couple more tools and let's say pen, paper, and a ruler, but you're right. It's getting at the same root and principle as what most firms are doing today. But you know, can any size firm use this technology? And can you go into a little bit of detail about the different levels of cost depending on what type of technology or equipment you're using? Yeah, definitely. And so like I said, many firms are kind of doing it already. Like if you're taking measurements and you're doing CAD or you're doing any kind of drawing or drafting, you're halfway through a reality capture program because often that's a tough part. Like just creating a good drawing, your normal drafting practices and standards, that's all part of it. The difference is now is the amount of field data that we're generally getting. Where the technology has really changed is we've gone from taking discrete one-by-one -one measurements. So say I take a laser tape measure, I measure the width of a building, I measure the uh, length of a building. That's the current way we've done it and the old way in some ways to scanning either with a laser scanner or photogrammetry or a video walkthrough and taking all of that data and then distilling it down to the measurements you need. And that's really to me, the main difference. And so it's a very different way of capturing and looking at the data. But the key is that at the end of the day, we're still looking for the same stuff, right? We're still looking for the same measurements, the same dimensions, the same questions and answers that you had before you got into reality capture. So the new capture has changed, but a lot of it remains the same. Yep. And again, just base principles not changing, uh, just a little bit way of doing different things, which can be a little bit challenging, I think, as we we were discussing before the episode here, but like when implementing new technology at any firm, right? You got to teach your staff to get hands-on experience. So what are some things that firms, maybe the ones you've worked with have done to ensure that their staff has the necessary training and experience needed to get into this kind of new way of reality capture? This is where, and I think we'll talk about this in a little bit about, about having a good champion and having people that are invested in the program. So I find you need to have someone at a certain level who, who has this investment among your staff. And when it comes to figuring out the right training and the right experience, I often tell people to listen to your staff and listen to the people who are invested in it and work from there. I think the most important thing if you're looking to get into, whether it's laser scanning or photogrammetry or you know, 360 video, is to give your staff some exploratory time. Give them some time to go out and look at what's out there and have them come back to you or to your team and decide what might be the next avenues to pursue. Because the problem we keep on running into is there's, there's too many options. Um, it's like, where do you even start? And when I work with clients and we train people to use, whether it's LIDAR or photogrammetry, even if they're dead, dead set on LIDAR, for example, and they come to us and they say, I, I want to use LIDAR. I heard it can see through trees, see through everything. And I think it's the right the right answer for us, we usually end up taking a moment, rolling it back and saying, you know, are you sure? And why do you think that's the right tool? And uh, sometimes it's absolutely correct. Sometimes there are assumptions that are made that we want to roll back and look at other options. And that's why having staff that goes out and figures out some options and brings them back to you and says, well, then I think we need training ABC or we should learn more about 
how to do a photogrammetry model of an exterior building, for example, you know, let them then guide the training there. So I, I think having it very staff guided is the way to work because there's so many options and narrowing it down is, is half the battle. Agreed. And that internal champion is kind of that that glue between, let's say, the equipment or the service provider and then and the example of an engineering firm, right? They're the ones who understand the engineering principles, how jobs actually get completed, right? And they have that cross skill set that allows the firm to be really effective in their use and application. I guess any more kind of common themes or attributes you're seeing from internal champions through uh, the clients that you've worked with? Yeah. So usually the champion is going to have a pretty broad skill set. Or The first thing that happens is they're, they're motivated, right? Usually they've already been an employee that has taken gone the extra step and taken some time to start looking into photogrammetry and laser scanning and all this stuff. And usually they're the ones that start it, right? They bring to their boss or someone in the team, uh, hey, you know, I heard about Pix4D. I heard about how you can take a drone and you can map a whole building with it. I think we should look into this because we drop buildings all the time. It can be that simple. And that person now has kind of self-selected themselves as a champion because they've got the motivation and the interest to go and look into this stuff. And that person's level of training and skill and expertise and motivation is usually what's going to dictate the success of the internal program. I find the Companies I've worked with that have really knocked it out of the park and have an amazing reality capture program, it started with that person in the team who was really interested in doing this and interested to devote time and the resources to actually growing this out. I'll add that some teams have that champion, some don't. Sometimes when they don't have an internal champion or they just don't have the internal resources, that's where they're going to contract it out, right? So I've been, we've been the champion sometimes where the firm has, you know, knows they want to get into photogrammetry, has read the benefits of it, but just don't have the time or the staff to really go after it fully internally. That's usually where we've come in and we'll be that, right? We'll do the research into XYZ uh, scanner or something like that for them and either do the service for them or, or work very closely with them to figure out how to go from capturing data with that technology to whatever workflow they already have. And oftentimes it's just that key internal champion to say, I know there's a better way to do it, even if the company ends up not being the one to physically do the work in the field. So Scott, we've talked about drones, we've talked about 360 cameras, you know, we've talked about LIDAR. So could you maybe give an example, let's say using some of those and other types of reality capture and kind of break down like, hey, how can I as a firm determine what's right for me from maybe the five plus figure scanners to a $300, let's say 360 camera? Yeah. So the important thing is, I think it was Simon Sinek that says, start with why, right? It's always that. What I see happen, uh, unfortunately, too many times is where someone sees a certain technology and they get drawn to it, whether it's from marketing or you know they had an interesting experience with it, or often they just saw it on a site, right? They went to a project, they saw it being used. And that's great. And, and knowing what's out there is important. But sometimes I see firms just automatically gravitate towards, you know, it has to be LIDAR, it can't be photogrammetry, or it has to be photogrammetry, and it can't be LIDAR. And I tend to see that people get drawn into a particular technology without taking a moment to step back and say, well, what's the actual goal here, right? What am I trying to get out of a reality capture program? And that's always going back to what's our current problem, 
right? If the current problem is we're not producing drawings fast enough, then it should start with why aren't we producing drawings fast enough? Is that a capture issue? Is that a internal processing the drawings issue? And keep on working from there, and that will guide you to which technology is the right choice. And it may not be any single one of them either, right? It may end up leading you to say, well, we really need LIDAR for interiors, and we really need photogrammetry for exteriors. So what are the options out there that in our time and budget can get us both of that? Or do we need both? Or should we start with one of them first and prove it out and then move to the second one? And which one do we start with? So there's a lot of questions to be answered there. And I generally tell people to kind of put your technology agnostic blinders on and really think about what problem are you trying to solve and work backwards from there. Uh, It usually just saves so much more time and money than saying, we must buy a laser scanner, we have to buy a laser scanner by the end of the year and make it work. That's usually not an approach that uh, is successful from the get-go. And Scott, as we talk about in a lot of our episodes here on the podcast, um, it's just thinking like that decision maker. And I know in my experience, after that, starting with why and asking the questions like, why are we even getting into reality capture? The next question becomes cost and ease of use are two that I really harp on um, internally at my company because we've gotten, let's say, quotes to do scanning or reality capture, right? That just exceeded the money that we were getting to do the project, right? It just doesn't make sense. So while there could be a potential better solution, at times you just need to understand what other restraints are you're up against. Exactly. Scott, now let's say as a firm, right? I say, okay, I know there's some portion of the reality capture world that's going to be useful for, to me. We've asked why and we've come to a solution. How can they start to, let's say, grow or scale and make sure it is in the case of a drone, right? It just doesn't sit on the shelf, never to be used again. A couple of things to kind of go back to the previous question there. If you've selected the right tool that matches what level of work you want to accomplish and what level of complexity and cost, now you're on the right track, right? Now you're using a piece of technology, let's say in this case, like drone photogrammetry, uh, maybe using Pix4D, for example. You've got a software and hardware and all that is manageable. At that point, you can start figuring out, you can start to make that program profitable, right? You can start using it and implementing it and seeing how much time it saves you. And from there, you're going to start to hone out that workflow. And it's going to be totally different for every firm, I find. There'll be some similarities, but each firm kind of has to go through that process of figuring out, okay, what's the best way to fly this kind of uh, site? And how is flying a a five-story building different than flying, say, a uh, parking lot? And once you've got those things worked out, you'll start to be able to figure out what's the next technology we need to do, right? Are we doing... 50 flights a month? And do we need to really purchase more drones or get involved in a cloud-based solution to manage our drone flights? And that will organically come out of the next problems that you encounter as you go through the capture process. Uh, Because it's never going to be, I press a button, all my problems are solved. Uh, If it's one thing that, you know, unfortunately, as much as we'd like that to be the case, it's always going to be the reality capture process will have challenges within it that need to be resolved. And the idea is to keep those challenges simpler than the ones you had without the technology. So, It's a pretty organic thing at the end of the day. Uh, For the most part, you'll run into new challenges and you'll figure out where to grow from there. And the key is if you keep on investing in the technology and the process that's at your level, at your team's level of expertise, 
you're going to have a much better time than purchasing something that takes way too much time to learn. And so that's why I keep on saying, start with something small and keep on growing from there. The very last piece I'll say about that is we've learned half of our stuff from YouTube, uh, like laserscanningforums.com, LinkedIn, Facebook groups. Your probably strongest thing that your team can go out and do is find a community of people who are using that technology or that scanner or whatever it is you're doing and chat with them. I had so many projects that were really, really difficult ones resolved by talking to somebody who does something similar to what I do. Talk to another drone mapping guy, talking to another mobile LIDAR guy, and often just engaging with the community and putting questions out there. Someone will come up in the crowd and, and bring you this golden nugget of info that you're like, that's exactly what we needed to know if we could do or not do to finish a scanning project or this drone mapping project. And Scott, that beautifully put, because that is exactly the reason why this podcast exists. Because oftentimes, you know, particularly engineering firms, but just AEC in general, we just get end up getting so siloed because we're focusing on our projects, right? We don't always have the time to just sit down and talk to people. But by having, you know, great guests like you on the show, we can bring that information to a wider audience and, and make sure everybody understands their options. And one point I'd like to make just about reality capture in general is, those problems that you're solving, right? Hoping to keep them smaller than the problems that cause you to seek a solution of reality capture at first. Sometimes they are a little bit bigger and there's a learning curve, but man, when you get a process in place and a system in place, it can really completely change a workflow and even an entire organization. So I'll just say, don't give up so easily just because it might appear a little bit harder at first, really dig in and try to figure out what the the best end solution would be. But Scott, you know, great having you on here. What final piece of advice would you like to give our listeners today? I have a couple of ones real quick. Uh, the first I think we touched on is, you know, be as clear as you can what your end goal is and what your expectations are. The clearer you are about what you want to get out of the program, the easier everything's going to be from what scanner to buy, what software to sign up with. If you keep on going back to your your initial idea of what problem are we trying to solve? That is what you can tap into to make all of those, you know, those 20 decisions you need to make down the road between software and people and who in the company should be the drone guy or should we find a drone company to do our mapping for us. The second one is there's never going to be a magic tool. Like you said, there's never going to be a button that you press and my plan is done. You can chain everything that we've done on successful projects has usually involved chaining five or six pieces of software together in some kind of workflow that it's taken us quite some time to nail out. But like you said, once you've got that workflow, and it really is the workflow, that's where it's like magic. That's where the data goes in and your results and your answers come out. And it becomes like a factory. It really is like you're setting up your own assembly line of scanners and hardware and software to create that. So, you know, invest in the assembly line itself. Don't get too bogged down in a specific tool that's going to solve all your problems. And think of that tool as part of the assembly line that's going to actually make your end product, whether it's a CAD drawing or a Revit model or something like that. And then the last one I'll say, if maybe the the biggest one I found is the if you build it, they will come is like a total lie. Like just purchasing the scanner will not get you money, right? Buying the latest and greatest scanner, the latest and greatest drone, that's not going to instantly increase your revenue. Uh, it's going to have to be a continual iterative process and you know, take the time. And like you 
said perfectly, don't sweat it. It's going to take some time to invest and learn, and you're going to make mistakes along the way. You're going to find out, oh, man, photogrammetry really doesn't work well in low lighting conditions. I don't know why we try to night scan with photogrammetry or, hey, this laser scanner is great for indoors, but its range isn't so great outdoors. It's always going to be the series of challenges you run into, no matter what you buy. And so just investing in the process and learning and figuring out how to overcome those shortfalls of whatever you work with, that's what ends up making you money at the end of the day. Getting through each one of those challenges and overcoming them will create the assembly line that gets you what you want. Well put, Scott. And just like we wouldn't build a building with, say, just a plumber or just a carpenter, you're not going to execute a successful reality capture project oftentimes with just one sensor or one piece of software, right? It's a team effort, um, just like everything else in the AEC world. But Scott, you know, great having you on today. Thank you for joining us. Um, where can our listeners connect with you? Best on social or, or where's it at? We have our website, which is www.harkin.io. You can connect with us on there. And also you can add me and find me on LinkedIn and Harkin Ariel is on LinkedIn as well. Uh, LinkedIn is probably the best place to get in touch with me. I'm on there all the time. I'm always uh, happy to chat with anybody about a project. And if you have any questions just about drones, scanning, mapping, any of that, I'm always happy to answer it. And we love chatting with people about what their issue is or their problems are and, and how we can help. Absolutely. And as we make uh, the offer at the end of every episode, right here at EMI, we're, we're just here to help the community. So absolutely, please reach out to Scott or myself with just any questions on today's episode or any of the episodes you've heard in the past. And we are definitely happy to help where we can. All right, Scott, great having you on. Thank you for the time. And we'll catch up with you next time. Thanks so much. That wraps up today's episode. Please remember, you can find the show notes for this episode at aectechpodcast.com. There, you will find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during this episode. Until next time, I wish you all the best in your engineering and technology endeavors. Thank you.